0: If what we're finding out about the raid on President Trump's home gives you a sense of foreboding, you're not alone. We talk about where our country seems to be headed on this edition of the Doc Washburn Show. Also, new exclusive information about what January 6th Agent Provocateur Ray Epps told the FBI. And, as if that's not enough, the Southern Baptist Convention. The largest Baptist denomination in the United States of America is being investigated by the Biden Justice Department. Welcome to the Voice of the Resistance with Doc Washburn. We're the show that pushes back against the Uniparty and lets you in on the news that traditional talk radio is all too often afraid to talk about. This is episode 215 of the all-new Doc Washburn Show. It's Sunday, August 14th, 2022. Just so you understand where I'm coming from, I was fired by one of the biggest radio companies in America, Cumulus Media, simply because I refused their vaccine mandate. More evidence comes out all the time that a lot of people are having serious negative reactions to the vaccines. Also, I will never call Joe Biden president because it's obvious the last U.S. presidential election was stolen. I will never pretend a man can become a woman, and I will never forget about the January 6th, political prisoners, most Republican politicians refuse to mention. Oh, yes, and August 8th, 2022, is a date that shall live in infamy, the date of the Mar-a-Lago raid. So this is a really different kind of talk show. We're unmasked, uncensored, and unfiltered. If you'd like to support what we do, go to our website, docwashburn.com, and click on the button that says Become a Patron. Also, please subscribe to our podcast so you don't miss an episode. All right, I don't mean to alarm you, but I've always told you I'm going to do my best to try to share information with you that you might not be getting anywhere else. You remember me telling you I never want you to be able to say, Doc, why didn't you tell us? Why didn't you warn us? Okay, that having been said, I have to share with you a prediction from Sean Davis, CEO and co-founder of The Federalist, about what he thinks the Biden regime is going to try to do to former President Donald J. Trump. Now, just so you know, Sean Davis is CEO and co-founder of The Federalist. Before that, he worked as an economic policy advisor to Texas Governor Rick Perry. And as Chief Financial Officer of the Daily Caller. He was also Chief Investigator for Senator Tom Coburn. He was named by the Hill.com as one of the top congressional staffers under the age of thirty-five for his role in spearheading the enactment of the law that created USA Spending.gov. Sean received a BBA in finance from Texas Tech University and an MBA in finance and entrepreneurial management from the Horton School of Business. So, very impressive credentials. Solid conservative. So I wanted to lay the groundwork for that because he said something very alarming on Twitter Friday afternoon, and I quote, Prediction, an illiterate D.C. grand jury of hardcore Democrat partisans will indict Trump. A separate jury of hardcore Democrat partisans will convict Trump. A corrupt D.C. circuit court will affirm the conviction. And then it will be up to the Supreme Court of the United States to overturn it, at which point the left will violently attack the Supreme Court of the United States, God help us all, unquote. Now, one thing I've learned from being in talk radio since 1997 is that I am no good at making predictions myself, but I didn't make this one. Sean Davis, a guy who I'm sure has a much higher IQ than I have, made this prediction. Now, let me tell you why it makes sense to me. It has been widely reported that Dementia Joe Biden told told his attorney general, Merrick Garland, last year he believes Trump is a danger to our democracy. Now, forget about the fact that we're not a democracy. Widely reported, Biden told his AG last year he believes Trump is a danger to our democracy and needs to be indicted. it's also reasonable to assume that Biden and his son Hunter are both totally compromised, blackmailed, if you will, by China, Russia, who knows who else. And they are sold out to the globalist goal of enslaving us all. By the way, Liz Cheney's husband is a partner in the law firm that represents Hunter Biden. So the Uniparty, the Clintons, the Bushes, the Obamas, the Cheneys, the Pelosi's, most members of Congress in both parties and the Biden regime believe in the concept of endless wars. A guy like Trump, who brokers peace agreements between Israel and Muslim countries, oh, he's really bad for business. Military-industrial complex, don't you know? A guy like Trump, who had engineered the strongest economy in world history until he made the mistake of listening to Fauci and Burks and ushering in 15 days to slow the spread, March 2020. He's certainly bad for the World Economic Forum's goal of taking away all of our freedom and privacy. He stands in their way, and they want to make an example of him to make sure nobody ever does again. Now, there are all kinds of irregularities, lies, criminality, and how the intel community has been going after Trump for over seven years, and none of it matters. No one has been held accountable. And it's exceedingly likely no one will be held accountable. Doesn't matter whether special counsel John Durham's a good guy or not, it's not reasonable to assume that anyone is going to be held accountable. And remember, you absolutely, positively, cannot get a high-profile job with the Biden administration unless you're willing to look into a camera and tell straight-up bald-faced lies about gravely important issues and then go home, have dinner, and sleep like a baby without a care in the world. We're in recession? No worries. Just change the definition of the word recession. Reporters call you out for changing the definition of the word recession? No worries. Just look straight into that camera and insist you didn't change a thing. Facing a lot of criticism for raiding the home of a former president for the first time in our nation's 246-year history? No worries, just go in front of the camera and lie and claim the search was very narrowly tailored. When it comes out, the search warrant was written to cover any and everything produced in the four years Donald Trump was in the Oval Office proving you just lied by claiming it was very narrowly focused. Lather, rinse, and repeat. What's anybody going to do to you? Now remember, Klaus Schwab, the guy who's been in charge of the World Economic Forum now for over 50 years, said in the fall of 2020, before the election that was stolen, by the year 2030, you don't own anything, you will have no privacy, but you will be so much happier. Somebody the other day told me an old Chinese proverb. And it's this. If there is food on the table, there are many problems. If there's no food on the table, there's only one problem. Okay? Have you noticed the price prices and everything is going up? Again, you know, I hate to be the dead horse here, but uh, Biden shutting down the Keystone XL pipeline the day he was inaugurated inevitably, inexorably drove the price of fuel up, which inevitably, inexorably drives the price of everything else up. There are actually reports in the mainstream media of people on low incomes just buying less food. Buying less food than they used to buy. Um, it's a really bad thing. So I saw people responding to what Sean Davis said out there on the Twitterverse. I saw people responding to people who were agreeing with Sean Davis that yeah, they're going to indict him. People saying things like they wouldn't dare, they don't have the nerve. And I'm like, okay, um, if the available evidence is not sinking in with you, if you're watching what's going on and you can't absorb what they're up to, I can't help you. I don't know what to tell you. I can't help you. Now, I'm going to go on as we would on any regular Doc Washburn show and talk about a lot of stuff that's been popping up in the news since the last episode. But I had to kind of set the table by giving you Sean Davis's tweet about what he believes their plan is to do to President Trump. God forbid, God forbid, But um, I'm, I'm sorry. What he's saying makes sense to me. And so I can't just say, oh, no, no, they'd never do that. Really? Really, you think they'd never do that? Why do you think that? No, because they wouldn't. I can't help it if you're not paying attention. For the life of me, I cannot help it if you're not paying attention. Now now they're leaking to the, the New York Times, Washington Post, everybody. They're like, oh, there were nuclear secrets in the paperwork that the FBI took away from Mar-a-Lago, nuclear secrets. Well, the great Jack Posobiec over at, HumanEvents.com, senior editor of Human Events, it says White House staffer reports the so-called nuclear weapons materials sought at Mar-a-Lago included documents on the Iran deal. Yeah, see, I, I think that there is a lot of stuff that Trump ordered declassified. That his minions at DOD and CIA and DOJ at the last minute said, "No, nah, we're not going to do that." A lot of stuff would be very embarrassing to the regime. Know what I'm saying, and again. The great Sean Davis uh, broke the news a little bit earlier Friday afternoon before he made the prediction. Under attachment B of the FBI raid document, Merrick Garland demanded the seizure of literally any record Trump ever saw, read, or created over the entire four-year term of his presidency. Quote, any government and or presidential records created between January 20th, 2017 and January 20th, 2021. So like I said, he just, uh, Merrick Garland just went in front of the TV cameras the day before and just straight up lied. Knowing knowing that search warrant was going to be released. Just straight up bald-faced lied. What they don't want released is the affidavit. is what the FBI had to present to the crooked judge to get the search warrant. And by the way, I mean, a search warrant that broad, of course, violates the Fourth Amendment. Totally violates it. Again, Sean Davis said, attempted media narrative, we had to recover stolen nuclear information. Reality? The feds stormed Trump's house based on a warrant commanding them to seize literally any piece of paper Trump might have accidentally sneezed on while president. Unreal. Unreal. All right. So. Rebecca Ballhouse over Wall Street Journal investigative reporter. She was out there Friday afternoon saying FBI agents who searched Mar a Lago removed 11 sets of classified documents, including some marked as top secret and meant to be only available in special government facilities. And she says it's a big old scoop from the Wall Street Journal reporters. Again, Come back to Sean Davis who says less than 24 hours after attorney general Merrick Garland promised to only release information through official court filings. Garland's justice department has anonymously leaked information to the New York times, Washington post and wall street journal. Go back to what doc Washburn told you a few minutes ago to work for this administration is, You have to be ready, willing, and able to get in front of television cameras and lie your gluteus maximus off and go to bed and sleep like a baby without a care in the world. Why? Because they believe the ends justify the means. So their communist vision of utopia, of globalist utopia... Justifies lying about whatever. And justifies more just lying. A couple of women were killed January 6th at the Capitol. Ashley Babbitt was murdered. Point blank range, gunfire. Lieutenant Michael Byrd, has he been held accountable? Roseanne Boyland was beat to death by a Capitol Hill cop, female cop. Has she been held accountable? They're willing to kill people. Look, babies are people. You, you understand that, right? You get it. So when the U.S. Supreme Court overturned Roe v. Wade, these people freaked out. Started threatening Supreme Court justice. started picketing in front of their homes. Now, that's against the law, federal law and state law. Even if you're not threatening, even if you're not violent, it's against the law. Has Biden's DOJ done a thing about it? Has Biden in any way condemned the guy who got all the way to Kavanaugh's house in the middle of the night, who had planned on murdering him? Nope, out a word. All right, look, I I I gotta give you I I gotta give you what uh, Matthew Peterson, co founder and general partner of new founding organization, Commercial and Cultural Union for the American people, and publisher of Return.life i got to give you what he is saying over there on Twitter. The idea that the FBI or DOJ better have the goods this time is absurd. They couldn't care less whether or not you or Congress thinks they have the goods. They don't need the goods. They know they are the rulers now. They face no consequences because they have no superior in their mind. Okay. It's more of an ideological and monetary mafia than praetorian guard with far more power because of the control over the digital all-seeing eye that sees every communication each of us make, etc. But the effect is the same. Now 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 at this point he links he links to something An article from the New York Times entitled, A Poisoned Relationship Between Trump and the Keepers of U.S. Secrets. Subtitle. The FBI Search of Mar-a-Lago is a coda to the years of tumult between an erratic president and the nation's intelligence and law enforcement agencies. And the quote from the article, the money quote, the poll quote, what the great Mal Russia would say, the, 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 the poll quote is this. Mr. Trump's behavior led to such mistrust within intelligence agencies that officials who gave him classified briefings occasionally erred on the side of withholding some sensitive details from him. Okay, so that's treason. That's treason. But again, you had all these former CIA agents, pardon me, former CIA directors saying in the lead-up to the 2020 election that Hunter Biden's laptop was Russian disinformation, lying through their teeth and knowing it. And we know they lied. And now they know that we know. And yet you got General Michael Hayden, former CIA director, implying that... um, Because the Washington Post and New York Times say that Trump had nuclear secrets at Mar-a-Lago, that he should be executed just like uh, Julius and Ethel Rosenberg were executed back in 1953? And you don't think these people are going to try to put this guy in handcuffs? Intel officials, Dr. Benjamin Braddock has this, Intel officials now openly admitting that they deceived the president. So no wonder Matthew J. Peterson is saying it doesn't matter if they have the goods. Then he says, do you want to know what time it is? And he links to a little video here from the American Firebrand Twitter account which says, are rhinos getting it yet, the corrupt Politicized intelligence bureaucracy works against the American people. It's time to put America first and protect our country from our government. And the video clip starts with Chuck Schumer, Democrat senator from New York, and then goes to Lindsey Graham, Republican, South Carolina. Then goes to Ben Sass, Republican, Nebraska, Tim Scott, Republican, South Carolina, and then other members of Congress, and finally Joe Kent, former special ops guy who is conservative running for Republican seats in the House from Washington State. Check it out.
1: You take on the intelligence community, they have six ways from Sunday at getting back at you.
0: Got it? Because the rhinos don't get it. All right, here's Lindsey Graham. I
2: will, for the next six years, God willing, every week, ask of the Department of Justice, what do you need that you don't have? If you need more prosecutors, money will not be an object. If you need more investigators, we'll provide you the resources. Uh, See, he doesn't care.
0: He doesn't care they're breaking the law. He's part of the Uniparty. He's Rhino. He's down for the struggle. May as well be a Democrat. Now let's go to Ben Sass, Rhino from Nebraska. American people are blessed to have an IC
2: that's as serious as ours is. We-
0: an IC, Intel Intel community, okay? No, the, the Intel community is the problem. Tim Scott, same thing, South Carolina.
3: We need to let this play out and see exactly what happened.
0: <laughs> he told CNN about the raid on Mar-a-Lago. We need to let this play out and see exactly what happened. After a firestorm of controversy, a few hours later, he's on social media saying, oh, this is awful. This is unprecedented. We can't stand for this. I trust Tim Scott as far as I can throw Chris Christie. Here's more. Here's more. Protect Such our a country. Such
2: example of these abuses is either dishonest or he's incompetent.
0: Okay, this is a... Uh, Mike Johnson in the House.
2: needs to address the egregious abuse of power. The only thing we were wrong about, Lou, is it was worse than we thought. We've seen the...
0: as Jim Jordan, now Joe Kent. Complete
1: and total weaponization of our national security state. We have to realize that we're at war. Bringing the national security state to heal must be our top priority. Any Republican who is not ready for that fight is unfit for duty. We're at war Is people are safe.
0: We're at war. These people are sick. Is what uh, Trump said. It says "fight to win." Firebrand, American Firebrand. Okay, all right. So Matthew J. Peterson says this is what time it is. The rhinos don't get it. They're they're in the they're in cahoots with the intel community. And the ray of hope in the midst of all the madness is that these rhinos who voted for. Impeachment are getting voted out in their in their primaries, so that's a good thing. All right, now having said that, oh, I'm getting nice comments on the on the live stream at three seventeen a.m. Central. Fellow saying, I thoroughly enjoy early morning Doc Washburn Live. He says, I have a fever, and the only prescription is more Doc Washburn preaching the truth. Wow, that sounds eerily like uh, Christopher Walken needing more cowbell there in the old Saturday Night Live back when it was uh, funny. Appreciate that, brother. Thank you, Stucky. God bless you. And, you know, we appreciate our sponsors, too for making it possible for us to do what we do five times a week here on the Doc Washburn Show. If you try to buy a car recently, you realize there's such a chip shortage, you may have a hard time finding what you're looking for. People I know have actually bought vehicles from hundreds of miles away from where they live. That's where Red River Your Way comes in. Red River Your Way is a big old car dealership in the middle of the USA that believes in freedom, including your freedom to buy a car, truck, van, or SUV the way you want to. You can buy online, and they'll drive it to you no matter where you are. Red River Your Way wants to make your car buying experience as easy and transparent as possible. That's why they've added technology to their website to put you in complete control of your payment options and allows you to complete the entire purchase process online. But don't worry, Red River experts are still here to help you every step of the way if you have any questions. Red River makes it so easy. As you browse their selection, you'll see each vehicle has a button that says Explore Payment Options on it. Clicking that button guide you through a few easy questions, and then create personalized payment options you have complete control over. All you have to do is adjust your preferences, and all the math happens automatically so you can figure out what monthly payment works best for your budget. Red River Your Way makes car buying online easy. Your whole car buying process is completely transparent. If you want to buy a car, truck, van, or SUV, order online from the nationwide car dealer that believes in freedom the dealer that will deliver your vehicle to your front door no matter where you live, RedRiverYourWay.com. You will be glad you did. All right, let me ask you this. Does your financial advisor take the time to listen and get to know you? Is your financial strategy personalized for you and your family? Will your financial advisor be there as your life and financial situations change? When you work with Jonathan Presswood... He focuses on what's important to you. He uses an established process to help you achieve your unique goals, whether that's preparing for retirement, making your money last in retirement, planning your estate or inheritance, preparing for the unexpected, or anything else. Jonathan Presswood can help. Now, what should you do if you leave a job and have a 401K or other retirement plan? Or if you're getting close to retirement or already in retirement? Call my friend, Jonathan Presswood, today. He'll help you create a personalized financial strategy backed by the advice, tools, and resources to help you reach your goals. And he'll partner together with you to help your strategy stay on track no matter what life throws at you. Listen, we can all dream of having a perfect retirement, but how many of us will actually experience it? No matter where you are today, Jonathan Presswood is offering a free retirement analysis to figure out where you'd like to be And what it will take to get you there. And there's no obligation. Contact Jonathan Presswood, a financial advisor with Edward Jones Investments, today at 501-303-4844. Again, that's 501-303-4844. Don't wait. Call Jonathan Presswood today at 501-303-4844. Now, if you're like me, you can't remember phone numbers, go to our website, docwashburnshow.com. Just click on the link to Jonathan Presswood at Edward Jones. Edward Jones, making sense of investing. Member SIPC. All right, thank you once again to our friends, our advertisers, Jonathan Presswood at Edward Jones. Also Mitch Ward at RedRiverYourWay.com. We appreciate you all, and we thank you so much for making us able, allowing us to do what we do five times a week. On the Doc Washburn show. Okay. So the FBI raid warrant. Demanded seizure of literally any record. Trump ever saw during. His four year presidential term. There's no way that's constitutional. John Daniel Davidson. Over the Federalist. Has new article out. Entitled the 2024 election is being rigged. Right now in plain sight. Subtitle. The FBI raid on Trump's home isn't just about prosecuting the former president for January 6th, it's about fixing the next presidential election. And here's what he says. The news cycle this week has been understandably dominated by the FBI's raid and former President Donald Trump's Mar-a-Lago residence in Florida, where armed agents were supposedly looking for classified documents the FBI believes were improperly removed from the White House. At the end of Trump's term, in violation of federal law, but the FBI raid is just a piece of a much larger story that's playing out in slow motion and in plain sight. The rigging of the 2024 presidential election, much like much like the 2020 election, which wasn't stolen so much as rigged months in advance to give Joe Biden an advantage that all but guaranteed his victory. Oh, no, 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 Jonathan, it was stolen. But anyway... He says the 2024 election is being rigged to ensure that Trump either cannot run or if he does run, cannot win. First, consider the FBI raid. No serious person believes that a documents dispute was the real purpose of the raid. The idea that the FBI would search the home of former president and potential 2024 GOP candidate over an ongoing and not uncommon disagreement over presidential uh, presidential records with the National Archives, is absurd on its face. In his brief and self-congratulatory press conference Thursday, Attorney General Merrick Garland said he personally authorized a search on Trump's home, that the Justice Department does not take such a decision lightly, lightly, and that it always seeks to use a less intrusive means as an alternative to a search and to narrowly scope any search that is undertaken. But if that were true... It more or less rules out the theory that the FBI was looking for classified documents. The disagreement between the National Archives and Trump has been ongoing for months and Trump's lawyers have been cooperating with relevant authorities. Raiding Trump's private residence over that and the process triggering, uh, triggering a political crisis makes zero sense. As some expert advisors have pointed out, including my colleague Margot Cleveland, a far more plausible explanation is that the FBI was perhaps on a fishing expedition looking for evidence that could implicate Trump in the January 6th riot. It's no secret that Democrats and the January 6th committee want Garland to charge Trump with seditious conspiracy in hopes of making it impossible for him to run in 2024. In that case, the documents dispute with the National Archives will be nothing more than a flimsy pretext to get into Trump's residence and look for incriminating evidence related to January 6th. The raid and its possible role in the schemes of the January 6th committee, though, are part of a larger effort underway to recreate the conditions of 2020 just in case Trump escapes indictment and does run. This week, Twitter announced it would begin enforcing its civics integrity project for the 2022 midterm elections. Quote, this means we'll take action against misleading claims about the voting process, misleading content intended to intimidate or dissuade people from participating in the election, or misleading claims that may undermine public confidence in election election's outcomes. Unquote. And what that means in light of Twitter's past behavior around election time is that anyone who questions the voting processes or outcomes However, justifiably, and no matter what irregularities are afoot, will be shut down by Twitter. The targets here are painstakingly clear. Trump voters who believe rightly that the 2020 election was rigged with irregularities, last-minute changes to voting rules, and absentee ballot fraud. The best way to understand Twitter's midterm elections policy, which is itself A preview of its 2024 policy is that anyone who complains about universal absentee voting, ballot harvesting, remote ballot drop boxes, loose voter ID rules, or any other Democrat-favorite policies that are known to make elections less secure will be silenced on the Twitter platform. Why? Because Democrats plan to run the same play in 2024 they ran in 2020, and their allies in big tech don't want anyone pointing it out. The irony here is that Twitter itself was perhaps a single greatest source of disinformation in the 2020 election. By quashing the New York Post's valid and verified Hunter Biden laptop story just weeks before the election and then locking the New York Post's account, along with some people who tried to tweet the post reporting on the laptop, including White House Press Secretary Kayleigh McEnany, Twitter arguably tipped the balance of the election. It brazenly hit a story from its users that, had they seen it, would have been quite damaging to Biden and certainly would have caused some people to change their votes. In addition to the machinations of big tech, nonprofit groups run by Democrat operatives have not stopped their schemes to boost voter turnout in Democrat-heavy areas under the guise of nonpartisan voter registration drives and voter roll update efforts. He says, as my colleague Victoria Marshall reported this week, a voter roll management system used by 31 states and the District of Columbia is sharing voter registration data with the Mark Zuckerberg-funded Center for Election Innovation and Research, one of two leftist groups that funneled $419 million to local election offices for the purpose of driving up Democrat voter turnout in 2020. The system, called the Electronic Registration Information Center, or E-R-I-C, ERIC, is supposedly a convenient tool that simply allows states to update their voter rolls. But its real purpose, according to a recent report by independent research group Verity Vote, is to boost Democrat voter turnout by forwarding state voter roll data, including records from unregistered voters, to the Center for Election Innovation and Research. As Marshall reports, that center then develops targeted mailing lists and sends them back to the states to use for voter registration outreach. As part of their agreement with ERIC, states are not allowed to disclose any data they send to nor receive from ERIC. However, ERIC is not under the same constraints and is able to work with the center, the the, the center we're we're talking about here earlier for election innovation and research. In addition, it seems that Eric doesn't exist to purge or update voter rolls so much as to inflate them, identifying seventeen million new new voters in twenty twenty compared to purging just three million from state voter rolls. Despite its failure to clean voter rolls, A majority of states are still using the system, which is run by a left-wing activist named David Becker. The purpose of ERIC by now is clear. It's not about cleaning voter rolls, but identifying and registering likely Democrat voters. And 31 states are using it. This is just a sampling of what's happening right now. The FBI raid on Trump's Mar-a-Lago residence has rightly captured headlines and provoked outrage this past week. But understand that the same powerful people, companies, and nonprofits that conspired to rig the 2020 election are right now rigging the 2024 election using many of the same tactics. They're doing it because they think they can get away with it, and if Republicans don't act now to stop them, they certainly will. That's John Daniel Davidson, senior editor at The Federalist. The name of the article is the 2024 election is being rigged right now in plain sight. And, of course, it's true. It's true. Patricia McCarthy over The American Thinker has the article, The raid on Trump's home is a tipping point. The FBI and DOJ are enemies of the people. You might want to check it out. Now, see, this is the kind of talk that... FBI Director Christopher Wray and Attorney General Merrick Garland say is violence. You can't criticize the DOJ and the FBI. That's violence. Um, Oh, this is pretty good from the Federalist. Quick little four-minute read from Tristan Justice entitled, Merrick Garland doesn't care about the rule of law, just ask Hunter Biden. Subheadline: Biden's Justice Department has done anything but apply the rule of law evenly without fear or favor, which is the quote from uh, Merrick Garland the other day. Hunter Biden is Exhibit A. He says Attorney General Merrick Garland addressed the FBI raid a former president Donald Trump's Florida residence Thursday afternoon, three days after the DOJ embarked on an unprecedented escalation of its persecution of political opponents, Garland said, and I quote, Faithful adherence to the rule of law is the bedrock principle of the Justice Department and of our democracy. Upholding the rule of law means applying the law evenly, without fear or favor. Under my watch, that is precisely what the Justice Department is doing. Uh, Dementia Joe Biden's Justice Department, however, has done anything but apply the rule of law evenly without fear or favor. Hunter Biden is Exhibit A. September 2020, Senate investigators published an 87-page report detailing Hunter Biden's extensive overseas networks with a series of potential conflicts of interest. The investigation included episodes of potentially criminal business activity flagged for the Justice Department, such as a six-figure shopping spree financed by Chinese business leaders. The report also unearthed evidence of organized prostitution and or human trafficking. Records on file with the committee, investigators wrote, confirmed that Hunter Biden sent thousands of dollars to individuals who have either, one, been involved in transactions consistent with possible human trafficking, two, an association with the adult entertainment industry, or three, potential association with prostitution. Hunter Biden's home, however, which was featured in a glossy profile of the president's son by Vanity Fair last December, has never been raided by federal law enforcement. Imagine that. One month after lawmakers on the Senate Homeland Security and Governmental Affairs Committee and Senate Treasury Committee published their report, the New York Post published a series of emails from a laptop that belonged to Hunter Biden and was abandoned at a Delaware repair shop. Beyond unearthing a cache of documents contradicting the president's claim of never speaking business with his son or with anyone else, the computer's hard drive was full of salacious material of Hunter Biden's escapades with illicit substances, you know, cracks, stuff like that, and hookers. In July, the UK Daily Mail reported Hunter Biden now may face federal charges for prostitution. But while charges could be in the pipeline, Hunter Biden's home has never been raided by law enforcement. In 2018, the Biden son reportedly bought a firearm that later went missing. When asked by the firearms transaction record, Form 4473, whether he is an unlawful user of or addicted to marijuana or any depressant, stimulant, narcotic drug, or any other controlled substance, Hunter Biden said no. While it's unclear whether Hunter was an active user at that time, his record of drug abuse is extensive and consistent with repeated rehab visits in 2003, 2010, 2014, for treatment with highly addictive substances. In 2014, Hunter was discharged from the Navy for cocaine use, and according to the New Yorker, he went on another cocaine binge two years later in 2016. As a Federalist reported last year, Hunter was suspected of smoking crack cocaine In Washington, D.C. Strip Club in late 2018, he purchased the firearm the same year, October 12, 2018. Hunter Biden's home has still never been raided by law enforcement. On Monday, however, Trump's 128-room mansion at Mar-a-Lago became the subject of a raid ostensibly over the Presidential Records Act despite prosecutions under the 1978 law, being exceedingly rare. While there are dozens of variables to be considered when determining whether to execute a raid, there's always been far more evidence to initiate a search warrant of Hunter Biden than Donald Trump, even as a DOJ investigation of the Biden's finances is underway. Yet Trump remains public enemy number one, and his prosecution has remained the top item on Democrats' policy agenda since he descended the golden escalator in 2015. If Merrick Garland, who admitted Thursday to personally signing off on the warrant to search Trump's home, applied the law without fear or favor, either Monday's raid would not have been executed or a raid of Hunter Biden's residence is on the way. That's Tristan Justice, Western Correspondent for the TheFederalist.com. Article entitled, Merrick Garland Doesn't Care About the Rule of Law, Just Ask Hunter Biden. Okay? Got it? Now, going back to Sean Davis over The Federalists, he says, the super careful geniuses at DOJ and FBI, the kind who dot all the T's and cross all the I's or vice versa, the kind who dot all the I's and cross all the T's and would never dream of fabricating evidence or falsifying warrants, couldn't even be bothered to proofread the name of the home of the president they were planning to raid. That's right, children. Attachment A to the search warrant mentions the Mar-A-Largo the Mar-a-Largo, not Mar-a-Largo, Mar-a-Largo, like Key Largo. Yeah, 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 the geniuses over there, at DOJ and FBI. Oh, man. It's um, it's really amazing, isn't it? Now, Technofog, who does some great work over Substack, he has an article with the, the Trump search warrant and gets into a lot of detail on that. And it is worth it is worth going to technofog.substack.com to take a look at it. Mike Davis, a different Davis. Mike Davis, former chief counsel for nominations for U.S. Senate Committee on the Judiciary. He worked for uh, worked for Senator. Uh, Grassley, Chuck Grassley, Iowa, also was a law clerk for Justice Gorsuch. Um, He's got some pretty serious stuff about what DOJ and FBI are claiming. And I'm going to get to that here in just a moment. But first, I got to tell you how much we appreciate our clients our advertisers who are our friends for making it possible for us to do what we do here 5 times a week hey, i'd like to help you with some health issues do you have migraines neck pain back pain vertigo acid reflux eczema problems with your blood sugar maybe even hay fever okay let's do a little test look in the mirror does one eye look bigger than the other? Are your eyes off balance? Are your shoulders off balance? Look at a picture of yourself. Are you tilting your head to the left or the right instead of sitting up or standing up straight? If the answer to any of these questions is yes, you probably need to get your atlas adjusted. That's how I got rid of my migraines, neck pain, and hay fever. Let me explain to you how it works because it's the best-kept secret in American healthcare. care. Your skull weighs anywhere from 8 to 15 pounds. It rests on the top bone of your spinal column, the atlas which only weighs two ounces. So it's really easy for your atlas to get out of alignment. If it does, your whole spinal column can get kinked up like a chain, restricting your central nervous system's ability to send impulses to the rest of your body. It can affect your respiratory system, reproductive system, circulatory system, even digestive system, and yes, it can cause migraines, neck pain, back pain, acid reflux, eczema, vertigo, problems with your blood sugar. Do yourself a favor. If you're in Arkansas, call my friends at the Arkansas Upper Cervical Center, 501-279-2009, for a free consultation to see if you need to get your atlas adjusted, because you probably do. If you're outside central Arkansas, go to their website, turnmypoweron.com, and click on Find a Doctor Near You. And I sure hope you can. Thanks again to my friends, Drs. J.R. Crabtree, and Tanya Crabtree. Uh, they're my friends, they're my doctors, and uh, and we sure appreciate them. All right, now, you know what? I guess I guess it is about that time. Hit it Brian.
4: We interrupt this program to bring you a special report. It's the Don
0: Washburn Show
4: Tweet of the Day.
0: Brought to you by RedRiverYourWay.com. Red River Your Way, big old car dealership in the middle of the USA. It believes in freedom, including your freedom to buy the car, truck, van, or SUV of your choice the way you want to online. Have it delivered to your front door anywhere in the continental United States of America. All right, today's tweet of the day is from TheHill.com. I don't think they've ever gotten one before. Marjorie Taylor Greene files articles of impeachment against Attorney General Merrick Garland. And let's hear what Marjorie Taylor Greene had to say about it. What they've been doing, President Trump, is political persecution. Merrick
1: Garland has abused his position of power um, as the Attorney General to politically persecute Joe Biden's enemies. And the whole purpose of this is to prevent President Trump from ever being able to hold office. So, I'm on my way in the Capitol right now, and I'm introducing articles of impeachment on Merrick Garland because we cannot tolerate this in America where our great institutions are welded and abused uh, in such a way to defeat people's political enemies. That's not what this is for, and and it should never exist.
0: All right. Thank you, TheHill.com, for sharing with us the story of Marjorie Taylor Greene filing articles of impeachment against Merrick Garland. And God bless Marjorie Taylor Greene. Freshman congresswoman from northwest Georgia. Uh, She ran because there was an open seat because Doug Collins was running for uh, the Republican nomination for U.S. Senate out of Georgia. Unfortunately, he didn't get it. But um, would that there were more men... In Congress with backbone like Marjorie Taylor Greene. All right, now let me get to Mike Davis. Mike Davis, who, by the way, is uh, scheduled to be on our show a week from Thursday. This Thursday, we got Jeff Clark, former assistant attorney general under Trump. Next Thursday, Mike Davis who worked for Senator Grassley on the Judiciary Committee and also clerked for Justice Gorsuch. He says, again, the classification statutes, regulations, do not apply to the President of the United States. He has the inherent constitutional power as Commander-in-Chief to classify and declassify anything he wants in any manner he wants. The Supreme Court reaffirmed this. 1987, and so he's got the link. In 1987, the Supreme Court again made clear the president has constitutional power as commander-in-chief to classify and declassify, regardless of any statute passed by Congress. Did Attorney General Merrick Garland obtain an OLC opinion, Office of Legal Counsel, before ordering his illegal Trump raid? If not, why not? Okay. Then Mike Davis says again. In 2012, President Obama secretly told the Russian president he would have more flexibility to negotiate with Russia after the 2012 presidential election. Clearly classified information. Why not? Why not indict him on a violation of the Espionage Act? Because he's the president, period. So he's incapable of violating the Espionage Act because he's the president. In contrast, Hillary Clinton was never the president of the United States. She did not have the constitutional power to declassify records and keep them on her illegal home server. She was bound by the Espionage Act and other statutes and regulations dealing with classified records. All former presidents get a federally funded office, office of the former president with staff and security clearances, and Secret Service protection, and secure facilities, skiffs for classified records. Even if Trump had classified records, they were protected, period. Okay? But wait, there's more. Mike Davis says... Before Attorney General Merrick Garland's spin, the President of the United States has both constitutional and statutory power to declassify anything he wants. If President Trump left the White House with classified records, they are declassified by his actions. Period. Okay? It's routine for any office of the former president, of any of the former presidents, to negotiate with the National Archives. They could have alerted Congress. The Biden DOJ could have filed a civil lawsuit. They could have sought a subpoena, but unprecedented home raid, unprecedented home raid. Trump's had these records for eighteen months. He says we've been all over this over at Article Three Project, and defending President Trump consistently. Article Three Project. Here's what it says about itself. We support constitutionalist judges, fight radical assaults on judicial independence, and oppose nominees outside of the mainstream. God bless them. And they have been defending President Trump over this unconstitutional, illegal raid. Then he says Attorney General Merrick Garland attempted to defend the indefensible in his political press conference. He left more questions than answers. He's a former federal judge and prosecutor. He should be ashamed of himself for politicizing the Justice Department so dangerously. He must resign. He must resign. So then he links to a Newsweek article, which says, Exclusive. An informer told the FBI what documents Trump was hiding and where. And Mike Davis says, Dear William M. Arkin, it was a senior editor over Newsweek, quote, He insists, though, that Garland had no prior knowledge of the date and time of the specific raid, nor was he asked to approve it, unquote. He says, Your senior Justice Department source burned you. Stop serving as the Biden administration scribe. See, the day before Merrick Garland gave his little press conference there where he didn't take any questions, Newsweek, citing a senior source at the Biden DOJ, said that uh, Garland didn't have any idea about the raid. And the Garland comes out 24 hours later and said, I approved the raid. I knew when it was going down. Yeah. Yeah, so uh, Newsweek got burned. More from Mike Davis. In response to um, Merrick Garland's press conference, he says it's so cynical yet predictable for Attorney General Merrick Garland and FBI Director Chris Wray to pretend they're defending rank-and-file FBI agents from attacks to deflect... Justified outrage from the American people over Garland and Ray's approval of this unprecedented Ray raid. Yeah, the Ray Raid. Ray Raid. I could do something with that, maybe. Mike Davis continues, Presidents have the inherent constitutional and statutory authority to declassify anything they want. They don't need to label it. They don't need to report it. They don't have to tell anyone. They can do it through their actions. As a matter of law, no president can be charged under the Espionage Act for supposedly mishandling classified records. When President Trump had the records sent to Mar-a-Lago, they were declassified. Former presidents don't have this power but Trump did that as the president. As discussed, the office of former President Trump, like every other former president's federal office, is equipped and secure enough to handle these declassified records. This is a routine dispute with bureaucrats at the National Archives whether these are presidential records. If their presidential records, the National Archives owns them, but they'll most certainly stay with Trump in his presidential library. That's it. That's a bureaucratic dispute. This isn't some rateable crime. Attorney General Mer- Merrick Garland knows this. Impeach. And again... He goes back to the spin. Let's see. Spin number one, they're not classified because President Trump declassified them by ordering them out of the White House. Number two, unless Trump has the nuclear launch codes and the FBI had evidence he somehow could and intended to launch, there's no justification for the home raid. Well, you know, they change launch codes when they change presence anyway. You know that, right? Clinton once uh, misplaced his launch codes for a couple of years. Buzz Patterson, Marine Colonel in charge of uh, the nuclear football, wrote a book about it. Um, let's see if we have anything else here in Mike Davis's uh, long thread that we haven't gotten to yet. Um. Let's see, over from the Article 3 project. Mike Davis discussed the potential conflicts of interest involving the judge who approved the raid on Mar-a-Lago with Shannon Bream on Fox News at night. Well, you know, we, we talked about that. The judge was a lawyer for Jeffrey Epstein, and he also, just six weeks earlier, before he signed off on the search warrant for the raid, he recused himself from Trump's lawsuit against Hillary Clinton saying that he would be, you know, he would not be able to maintain objectivity. He wouldn't be able to be impartial. So let's hear what Mike Davis had to say to Shannon Bream of Fox News at night.
1: But that being said, this federal judge clearly has violated the United States Code along with the judicial canons by having a, a an appearance of conflict here, if not an actual conflict, when he has publicly went on Twitter, or excuse me, went on Facebook and criticized President Trump and his integrity. That-
0: okay. You got it, right? You got it. More from Mike Davis, who's scheduled to come on our show Thursday the 25th. The Biden DOJ improperly leaked the warrant, inventory, and affidavit even before Trump has all those materials. After getting a biased anti-Trump magistrate to order an unprecedented, unnecessary, and unlawful home raid over records that Trump Declassified. Got it? Okay. More from Mike Davis. Talking about particulars of the search warrant, Mike Davis says, what a joke. These are pretextual, quote, crimes, unquote, to justify Attorney General Merrick Garland and the Biden Justice Department's 19-month political onslaught against President Trump, his top aides, and his loyal supporters, the Biden regime is terrified he'll run and win. Yeah, I don't see why though, because you know if they could steal it in 2020, won't they steal it in 2024? Yeah. So anyway, um, thank you, Mike Davis for being a great patriot and for, uh, for breaking this down. So Mike Davis also joined Sean Duffy on the Ingram angle. Sean Duffy was filling in the Ingram angle to discuss the Biden justice department's unlawful political raid on their boss's political enemy. Um, Let's see. He was on there with Sean Duffy filling in for Laura Ingram, and Chris Swecker, former FBI assistant director. But Mike Davis again saying as commander in chief, President Trump had constitution, constitutional authority to declassify anything, like Obama in 2012 with the Russian president. All right, here we go. He'll start out with Chris Swecker. Former FBI assistant director. From informants. Yeah, so Mike,
4: you were talking about the classification issue, um, and you're saying that what Donald Trump can declassify
1: anything, a spe- a specifically anything he takes with him, is declassified? Explain. So the President of the United States has inherent power under the Constitution under, as Commander-in-Chief to declassify any record he wants for any reason he wants. He does not need to explain it. And so, therefore, a sitting President can never violate the Espionage Acts by declassifying records, by sending them to Mar-a-Lago or whatever. Remember, in 2012, President Obama got caught on a hot mic whispering to the President of Russia, our enemy, saying, saying that that he needed some time to get past the presidential election, that he'll have have more breathing room, essentially, to negotiate with Russia. That is highly classified material. But President Obama did not violate the Espionage uh, Espionage Act by doing that because he is the president.
4: That is a really good point. I actually forgot about that. Thank you for bringing that up. Mike and Chris, thanks for joining me. Appreciate
1: it. Thank
4: Thank you. President Trump says he's been cooperating with the FBI from the start. His attorney even telling the Ingram angle...
0: Wow. That's serious, y'all. That's serious. Um Mike Davis. Um he was just all over the media. And we're honored that he's gonna be coming on with us. So looking for looking forward to that. Big time looking forward to that. Okay, let's see what else we got here. Uh, Biden administration launches federal investigation into Southern Baptist Convention. Ryan Savidra had the story over the Daily Wire Friday afternoon. Joe Biden's administration has reportedly launched an investigation into Southern Baptist Convention over its handling of alleged scandals within the church. The SBC is the largest Protestant faith group in the United States and is among the most politically conservative as 64% of the church's members are Republican according to a report from Pew Research Center. The church's executive leadership said in a statement and I quote the SBC executive committee recently became aware that the Justice Department has initiated an investigation into the Southern Baptist Convention and and that the investigation will include multiple SBC entities. Individually and collectively, each SBC entity is resolved to fully and completely cooperate with the investigation, unquote. The news comes as the Biden administration, of course, authorized a raid on former President Donald Trump. This week, which has generated a significant amount of backlash over accusations of political targeting. Democrats in Washington, D.C. also pushing to add 87,000 new employees to the IRS. IRS was forced to delete a job posting this week. that stated applicants need to be willing to carry a firearm and be willing to use deadly force if necessary. Southern Baptist Convention said they were already working on addressing past alleged instances of abuse as evidenced by a recent investigation they had completed. The church said, quote, we recognize our reform efforts are not finished. In fact, those efforts are continuing this very moment as the recently announced Abuse Reform Implementation Task Force begins its work. and as each entity has strengthened its efforts to protect against abuse. Wow. Okay. So what, are uh, churches going to get subpoenas next? By the way, Dan McLaughlin, Dan McLaughlin, senior writer over at National Review, so, just a reminder 18 U.S. Code 793, the Espionage Act, which they're leaking to the press that they might use to go after Trump. That was the precise statute Hillary Clinton violated and was not charged for violating. Just so you know. Just to put things into perspective. Okay, got it? Now, the great John Solomon, justinnews.com, on the timeline leading up to the raid. Here we go.
3: I have confirmed that in late May, the federal government the Justice Department delivered a grand jury subpoena to President Trump. President Trump, this is in connection with the records case, President Trump didn't contest the subpoena. He voluntarily cooperated with it, allowed three agents and a senior DOJ official to come to his property on June 3rd and to uh, uh, pick up a set of documents that they thought were uh, what the government was looking for, the last remaining documents that were left there. The president actually came down and surprised everybody. dressed up in a suit, came down, greeted the FBI agents, said, I appreciate what you're doing. And he told them, if there's anything you need, let us know. We will cooperate fully. When the president left... The FBI agents, according to government officials and private sources I've talked to, asked for permission to go see the storage locker, the one they just broke into a week ago. They were voluntarily allowed to go in and take a look at the locker, see what things were done, uh, ask questions. They left in a very cordial manner because the president was cooperating without any resistance, and he had made a promise, you need something, come back, I'm going to deliver it. Five days later, the government asked that a good padlock be put on that room, secure that room, which the Secret Service did. And nothing occurred for two months until they showed up and raided. The president was voluntarily complying with a grand jury subpoena, and then he gets raided anyways. These are going to raise some very serious questions about the timeline of what has now happened.
0: All right, John Solomon over there on Fox. Making that announcement about timelines. Okay? But where there's more, and I'm still going to get to Ray Epps, exclusive from the Epic Times, about what Ray Epps told the FBI about January 6th. And it's, uh, boy, it's something. Now, You know, as I started the show off, I'm saying, you know, Sean Davis is saying that um, they're going to try to indict Trump, and it's going to be rough. He's not the only one. Ned Ryan, the founder of the American Majority Group, says Merrick Garland is going to try to uh, indict Trump. So let's, uh, let's give a listen to that.
4: The left banks on getting away with their abuse of power because of a feckless GOP, and Republican establishment is more than happy to oblige them. I was stunned. I found it repulsive. That Republican Senate leadership couldn't be bothered to say anything about the thuggish FBI raid on a Republican president on Tuesday. Mitch McConnell wanted to talk about flood relief. John Doon was tweeting from, from a state fair. John Cornyn wanted to talk about Ukraine. Tim Scott and Little Lins wanted to talk, oh, we should trust and let the process play out. Are you kidding me? A process in which a DOJ and an FBI took a conspiracy-laden dossier formulated by the Democratic Party to secure four FISA warrants to spy on the duly elected president of the United States. You mean that process? Anyone insane enough to say that is unfit for office in these times, Jesse. I'm convinced that that demented weasel, Merrick Garland... (laughs) is going to try and get Donald Trump indicted by a rigged D.C. jury before the midterms. In these times, we don't need strongly worded letters. We don't need worthless oversight hearings. We need defund, dismantle, and people need to go to jail. The reason that they keep on getting away with this is because nobody has consequences. Nobody nobody went to jail for the abuse of the Russian collusion conspiracy Spygate stuff. Because nobody went to jail, there were no consequences. They're going to continue to do this until we actually forcefully confront them and say we're going to dismantle the FBI and people will go to jail for their abuse of power. We're going to continue to see more of the same. We actually need real Republican leadership, and we have not seen any of it so far.
0: This is Ned Ryan, founder of the American Majority, over on the uh, Jesse Waters Show. On uh, Fox News. So, have you seen the huge rallies outside Mar-a-Lago? The huge rallies up and down the highway outside Mar-a-Lago. People supporting President Trump. And the great Aron McIntyre. says people who want the right to just move beyond Trump simply don't understand the personal loyalty that he inspires. Okay? So, there's a response to that, which is just, I don't know why I didn't get this before. Guy who goes by the... uh, The name Mar- Martyr made. Not sure what his real name is, but he said some really profound things on Twitter. He said, This is why they're pulling out all the stops to prevent Trump from running in 2024. Trump will get the same 75 million votes he got in 2020. And. They'll never be able to convince anyone Biden could beat that number without the COVID mail-in scam. They must not let it come down to Election Day 2024. So that's it right there. That's it right there. Every once in a while, somebody crystallizes something, and I'm kicking myself going, why why didn't I come up with that one? You know what I'm saying, Holmes? That that is strong. That is strong right there. Now I want to share with you what the great Jack Posobiec over at Human Events is saying about the Mar a Lago raid. Here he is. In the final days,
2: even the final hours of President Trump's administration, that he was working with Mark Meadows and filing a meadow, and John Solomon's got the meadow. Got the memo. So the Meadows memo, see that five times faster, right? says that President Trump declassified the Spygate documents. But then the Department of Justice also asks for a copy on their own. Why? Because they wanted further redactions. And there was this big fight between the Trump White House, the Trump administration that was outgoing, and the Department of Justice, the same national security division that we're reading in the Newsweek piece, says was behind the raid on Mar-a-Lago. You see what I'm putting together here? So, if it was the Spygate documents that indeed is what they are after, it could be a fight over whether or not the president actually declassified them. Because in this article that uh, that John Solomon wrote a few months back, it says that the documents were then sent to the Department of Justice for further redactions. But then the Department of Justice, they never released the documents. The DOJ, because I'm sure you're sitting there thinking, "Like, oh, wait, what's Spygate documents? I've never read the Spygate documents. Where are all these original Spygate documents? They were never released. The DOJ never put them out, even though the president signed them off to be declassified. And there's a memo from Meadows memorializing, right at the point of the memo, the fact that the president had done this. So, do you see where I'm going with that? It then stands to reason, then. Did the DOJ think or were they, quote unquote, tipped off by this uh, so-called informer or a mole, clandestine tubular source at Mar-a-Lago, that perhaps President Trump did keep a copy of the Spygate documents? Could this whole thing, right, could this whole thing be the DOJ trying to clean up their tracks to find the receipts? Because, of course, President Trump, look, I'm going to say it right now. I would totally believe that President Trump would not trust the same DOJ that had been spying on him, wouldn't trust the FBI and would say, sure, I'll send you guys a copy of the documents, but did he keep a copy for himself? Maybe it was, uh, you know, photographs, maybe it was electronic copy, whatever it is, right? Whatever it is. Do you think he would have kept a copy for himself? I would say that wouldn't surprise me. Got it. Okay.
0: Now, it's after five o'clock in the morning, Eastern time. It's after four central where I am, but I got it. I got, I got, I don't like staying up this late, but you know, I spent hours and hours and hours, hours preparing this. And when it's ready, then we do it. we try to take a nap and then go to church in the morning. But I got to share with you one more thing from the Epoch Times, E-P-O-C-H. Exclusive, Ray Epps told FBI he expected a bomb attack near the Capitol on January 6th. Documents show. When James Ray Epps Sr. first called the FBI regarding his January 2021 activities in Washington, D.C., he didn't mention how he implored protesters in several locations to go inside the Capitol, but he later told an agent that he expected a bomb would detonate on a side street near the Capitol. Those are just two of the revelations in a collection of Epps-related material obtained by the Epoch Times, including FBI interview summaries, FBI audio recordings, transcripts, videos, and photographs. In two interviews with the FBI in 2021, Epps explained his actions on January 5th and January 6th. He admitted he was guilty of trespassing on restricted Capitol grounds and confessed to urging protesters to go to and go into the Capitol on January 6th. Despite his omissions, the FBI never arrested Epps and he was not charged by the U.S. Department of Justice with any January 6th crimes. The non-action has fueled a crop of theories that he might have been working for the FBI or another agency. 61-year-old Epps has repeatedly denied those suggestions through his attorney. Epps claims he recently sold his house and land in Queen Creek, Arizona because of threats and harassment and moved to Colorado. That's what he told the New York Times in July. According to online records, the Arizona property sold for $2.2 million on April 28, 2022. Epps at one time was number 16 on the FBI's January 6 Most Wanted page. His entry was later scrubbed from the list without explanation. He's among a handful of persons of interest to have their photos deleted from the FBI site. In an interview with FBI agents, March 3, 2021, Epps said he brought a first aid kit in his backpack to Washington because he expected a terror attack. He told an FBI agent and an FBI Joint Terrorism Task Force officer in a meeting of the Phoenix office of Epps' attorney, John Blishek, quote, Yeah, I thought there might be a problem. That's why I was there, unquote. Attorney Blishak told the Epic Times he would comment after reviewing the FBI interview summary, but had not done so by press time. According to a recording of the interview obtained by the Epic Times, Epps said, I was afraid they were going to set off an explosion on one of the side streets, so we tried to stay in the middle, tried to get there early, tried to stay away from the sides, and if Something like that happened. I had a first aid kit. I could help out, unquote. Okay, now, wait a minute. FBI agents don't record interviews. No, no. No, they got the, uh, what is it, Form 302? Did you know about this? They're supposed to, like, take shorthand and then go back to the office and try to remember and write things down, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Here we go. Uh, let's see. An FD three hundred two form is used by FBI agents to report or summarize the interviews that they conduct, and contains information from the notes taken during the interview by the non-primary agents. So they've really been hamstrung for many, many years. It's unheard of they would actually record an interview, and sometimes they don't get back to the office to make sense of the shorthand notes they took for several days, and so they wind up getting things wrong. That—that—that's that, the FBI for you. So, what do you mean? There's a tape of the interview they did with Ray Epps. I mean, it's always a good idea, but it's highly unusual. Highly unusual. And Ray Epps has a first aid kit in case a bomb goes off. Ray, bombs kill people. So what are you talking about? But I digress. Epps told the agents the possibility of violence weighed heavily on his mind and he originally did not plan to travel to Washington. It was only when learning that his son, James Epps Jr., was going to the Trump rally that the senior Epps decided to go and keep an eye on his son, he said. Epps, a U.S. Marine Corps veteran and former Oath oath Keepers leader in Arizona, said, as time went on, I started getting a bad feeling like something's going to happen. There's a lot of wackies out there. I thought something would happen in D.C. I thought there might be, what do they call them, EOD, something like that. Um, EOD is Explosive Ordnance uh, Disposal. But the Epoch Times says EPS may have been referring to an improvised explosive device, IED, which is a homemade bomb that was a favorite weapon of insurgents in Afghanistan during the U.S. Long War there. In military parlance, and EOD refers to an explosive ordnance disposal specialist, someone who diffuses and, dispo- and destroys explosives. An agent asked for clarification. Oh, you mean like a terrorist act? Epps said, right, like a terrorist act. The agents did not press Epps on what led him to believe there would be an explosion, nor did they ask about the two alleged pipe bombs found outside the Republican and Democrat Party headquarters, each just blocks from the Capitol. The RNC pipe bomb was placed near the corner of the Capitol Hill Club, facing a side street similar to the description Epps offered. The devices did not detonate, and the FBI has not arrested anyone in those cases. Epps told the FBI he regretted the things he said in downtown D.C. the night of January fifth, 2021, He spoke to internet personality Baked Alaska and video podcaster Villain Report, both of whom recorded their exchanges. Epps told Baked Alaska, whose legal name is Anthony Glonet, pardon me, Anthony he said, in fact, tomorrow I don't even like to say it because I'll be arrested. I'll say it. We need to go into the Capitol. Epps shouted a similar theme to the crowd at large. He said, tomorrow we need to go into the Capitol, into the Capitol peacefully. The crowd then started chanting at him, fed, 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 fed. The FBI agents told Epps that his statements on January 5th were problematic. They said they found him often on video and in photographs from January 5th and 6th. Epps replied, I'm the tallest guy in the crowd, and I stick out, man. They followed me. Then he joked, I could never be a bank robber. One of the agents said, we said that the same way. We said it's a big guy, and every photo we, ha- we find, he's in it. The night before, that video didn't help. The agent, agent said in the video the night before, what you said basically predicted what happened. Epps replied, I wish I could take that back. He called the statement really stupid. On January 6th, yeah, but they don't ask him why he said it. They don't ask him where he got the idea. They don't ask him if anybody planted the idea with him. Because they don't want to know, apparently. On January 6th, Epps was filmed near the Washington Monument imploring the crowd, we are going to the Capitol where our problems are. It's that direction. Please spread the word. When speaking to a young man in a red and black Mackinac jacket, Epps said, When we go in, leave this here, pointing to something. You don't need to get shot, according to a video of the exchange. Now, Epps first called the FBI January 8, 2021, after his brother in law notified Epps' wife that a photograph of Epps was on the FBI website. That call to the National Threat Operations Center lasted about 27 minutes, according to an audio file of the call obtained by the Epoch Times. I'm flabbergasted that they were able to obtain all this stuff. In describing his activities, Epps never mentioned that he urged the crowds on January 5th to go into the Capitol the next day. He said he went down to Black Lives Matter Plaza to try to calm things down after people he suspected were Antifa activists were harassing police. Epps told the FBI operator, I tried to calm them down. I tried to let them know that, you know, this is not what we're here for. We're here because of the Constitution, not the police. Police are on our side. Nor did Epps mention getting on a bullhorn on January 6th and encouraging people to go to the Capitol as soon as President Trump was finished speaking. He would comment, on those topics nearly two months later when interviewed by FBI agents. Gee, I wonder why they waited two months. But on the January phone call, Epps insisted his presence on Capitol grounds was to de-escalate when things got violent. That's not what the video showed. He said, I'm guilty of being there and probably trespassing, but I had a reason. I was trying to calm him down. I wanted to be there, but I'm trying to calm him down anything I can do to help. There's no call for that kind of behavior. I will be your witness. But he's whispering in the guy's ear right before the guy pushes over a barricade, though. Epps told the agency he came to Washington to express his concerns about the 2020 presidential election. He said he received five ballots at his Queen Creek address, one each for him and his wife and three with names he did not recognize. He said, we've owned the property for 11 years now. I've never heard of those three people that came there. I didn't recognize the names. And then when the election went the way it did, I was a little concerned. I mean, how many apartments are there in Arizona? Three million? And they're sending all these ballots to these different apartments? I mean, you know, that's a concern. Epp said he also went to support Trump although he did not stay at the ellipse for all of Trump's speech. He said he followed crowds that left the speech early and walked toward the Capitol. He said people started leaving early after President Trump started speaking. So they were running, and it was the same people that was F. Antifa and this and that and the other. He said, I believe, just my belief, they are Antifa the ones that were saying that stuff, and they were like running that way. And I'm like, maybe I can calm this down. So I went with them. Yeah, I don't believe this guy, do you? Epps said it was his original intention to stay for all the speeches at the Ellipse. He said, I planned on being, and word was being passed around that right after he gets done speaking, we're going to go to the Capitol yeah, you're the one passing it around. He said, and it was a given, so spread the word, spread the word. So I started spreading the word, and I said that to a lot of people there. We're going to the Capitol, right? After the president speaks. Well, You were saying that the night before with nobody prompting you, though, right, pal? wonder who he works for. It says he's a retired Marine. Maybe he's not retired. Perhaps the scene that drew the most attention and speculation about Epps on January 6th was when he appeared at the first breach point of police lines. Some 20 minutes before Trump finished speaking at the Ellipse, an aggressive crowd gathered at a lightly defended barrier on a sidewalk not far from the peace monument. As rioters began yanking at the bicycle rack barriers, Epps pulled Ryan Samsel back from the front line and spoke in his ear. Seconds after that exchange, Samsel and others knocked down the barrier, causing one officer to fall back and hit her head on the concrete. Epps said, I walked up to him and I put my arm uh, arm on him and said, hey, that's not why we're here. Don't be doing that, you know. I don't know who, uh, who he was, no clue. I just tried to talk him out of doing what he was doing, and then all of a sudden it blew up. Yeah, I don't believe that. When interviewed by an FBI special agent and a detective on January 30th, 2021, Samsel corroborated Epps' description of their brief verbal exchange according to a transcript of the session obtained by the Epic Times. Sansol faces nearly a dozen January 6th related charges in U.S. District Court in Washington. Pointing to a photograph of Epps, Sansol said, Now that guy I talked to he came up to me and he says, dude, his exact words were, relax, he says. "The Cops are doing their job. That's exactly what he says to me right there in that picture. I don't believe that. Epps's two interviews with the FBI included some inconsistencies and changed details according to recordings and FBI summary documents. Epps told the FBI on January 8th, that his brother-in-law called him to notify him his pictures on the FBI's January 6th website. During his March 3rd interview with FBI agents, Epps said, someone contacted me and said, hey, your picture's up. When asked about his brother-in-law later in the interview, Epps said he, he didn't call me, he called my sister. Then his wife interjected, that was me, and I can tell you exactly because he sent me a text, actually. See, it's hard to remember your lies when you're liars. liar. So I think that's one of the problems here with Ray Epps. When asked about who was with him on January 5th and 6th, Epps replied, my son. A short while later, he said, I think he had a friend there. He did have a friend there. I don't know his name. One of the agents said he recalled that on the January 8th phone call with the FBI, Epps said he went sightseeing on January 7th. He told the agent, no, we did that the day before. A few minutes later, however, the detail changed. Oh, you know what? The next day we did. No, we got up that morning and we went to the Vietnam Memorial. In both contacts with the FBI, Epps asked if his photo could be removed from the FBI's January 6th page. In January 8th call, the FBI operator said she had nothing to do with the FBI web content. In the March 7th interview, he was given a more discouraging take. One of the agents told him, that picture is probably still out there, will probably be there forever now. Epps said the notoriety of being publicly listed as a person of interest had caused problems. He said, well, we felt the repercussions. I mean, we've had people come on our business site and try to destroy us. I'm an insurrectionist. I'm a traitor. I've been called everything in the book, but it's dying down now, I hope. The agents asked Epps if his views had changed since January 6th. He said, I still have concerns about the election. I do. I mean, I think everybody does. I think our politicians, some of them need to be in jail. I think you guys need to investigate them. I don't know. How much of what we get is the truth? I don't know. Not even worth watching the news anymore because they just make it up as they go. Epps met twice with the House of Representatives January 6th Select Committee. including a transcribed interview January January 2022. Committee members seemed satisfied with what Epps told them. No transcript of the session has been released. In January a spokesman for the January 6th committee said, Mr. Epps informed us that he was not employed by working with or acting at the direction of any law enforcement agency on January 5th or 6th or at any other time that he has never been an informant for the FBI or any other law enforcement agency. Yeah, what if he was with military intelligence? Senator Ted Cruz grilled top FBI officials about Epps in a January hearing but received a repeated refrain, I can't answer that. So that's the article from Joseph M. Hanneman, reporter for the Epoch Times. And the article is entitled, Exclusive, Ray Epps told FBI he expected a bomb attack near the Capitol on January 6th Documents show. Remarkable what the FBI didn't want to know and what they didn't ask. It's just remarkable to me. All right. You've been listening to episode 215 of the all-new Doc Washburn Show. The views and opinions expressed on the Doc Washburn Show do not necessarily reflect those of our advertisers, but they love us and we love them. Today's program has been produced by Tim Terrible, directed by Mick Messy. This has been a Terribly Messy production. Portions of today's show will be taken overseas and dropped. If you like a transcript of today's episode of the all-new Doc Washburn Show, simply peel the roof off a Rolls-Royce panel truck and send it to Mansour's Computer Solutions, seventh floor of the Ephemeral B. Smoot Building, Whitehall, Arkansas, in care of Sheriff Mansour the Tenth. And that's the way it is. Sunday, August 14th, 2022.